2: Sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Subbing in for air today is Derek Van Riper, who you can follow on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. I'm your host, Jake Letarski. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeSki52. Just a friendly reminder if you happen to be listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a nice rating and review. Derek, we're going to start off with the top news for the day. Uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, former second-round pick. Looks like the team give up gave up on him there. Traded over to the Eagles for a backup offensive lineman. You mentioned earlier that if it was still a Chip Kelly offense, there might be some excitement level there. Not so much anymore, though?
1: No, and I think when you consider, I mean, e- even as we've talked about for the last couple weeks, the Eagles offense should be decent with Doug Peterson calling the shots now. It should be a lot like an Andy Reid-style offense. Those offenses have made the most of average or even slightly worse than average quarterbacks at various points throughout Reed's time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Most recent example, of course, Alex Smith. So the passing game might not be bad. I just don't know if Doriel Green-Beckham actually is going to put it together because Tennessee just spent a second-round pick on him last year, mm-hmm. and they just gave him away for a backup offensive lineman mm-hmm. in the middle of August a year later. Like That, that to me, just says something is just not right. Between his ears, and, and he's just not running the right routes. He's not on the same page as his head coach, or his offensive coordinator, or his position coaches. Nice to learn a new system. That usually takes some time. Maybe later on this year, he'll be useful for the Eagles. Maybe by like week seven, week eight, mm-hmm. he could take on a more prominent role. But I have to wonder if he's even like active these first couple games. Once we get to the week one, and who knows? There's there's been a lot of talent there for a long time, but he's just never lived up to the hype. Yeah, I
2: would, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, just the fact that they could only get a backup offensive lineman means that they couldn't get a better offer anywhere else, assuming that they shopped him around a little bit. That or they were just so eager to get rid of him that they would have taken anything. My initial thought was, hey, look at the depth chart. Maybe he can press Nelson Aguilar, Ruben Randall. But again, there's the factors you mentioned earlier. And also, I mean, just who knows what the state of his of him is going on right now so i guess we'll see and then he's got to get caught up in the offense there uh other than that not a whole lot of big news today marcel darius four game suspension here for violating the league's substance abuse policy. bills 24 defense according to rotowire you probably weren't taking them anyway in a standard league you think they finished last in that division <sighs>
1: i don't know i think they're a better team than the jets like it's it's mm-hmm. close but dolphins are kind of a wild card too i, I could see all, all those non-patriot teams that division all being within a game of each other and Mm -hmm. the order to me wouldn't really be surprising regardless of how it shook out Uh, Darius could have his contract voided by the bills something I saw earlier I don't don't know if they'll actually go that route Mm -hmm. but uh, Darius of course had a seven-year 103.2 million dollar extension last year 60 million of that guaranteed so this could actually cost them quite a bit of money depending on how the bills decide to handle the situation and Yeah, I mean, missing four games takes a defense that already has some potential question marks and adds one very big one with one of their key guys up front down for the first four.
2: Yeah, 51 tackles, a couple of sacks last year. Not really on IDP radars, except for maybe some of those deeper IDP leagues that take a lot of defensive linemen. I'm not sure how many of those actually exist, but that and, of course, probably bumping the bills out of any kind of fantasy consideration here. Let's get into the uh, main portion of our pod. We're going to play preseason buy or sell, where... Of course, it's the preseason. You have to take all these numbers with a grain of salt, and we're going to help you try to differentiate there uh, what some of these stat lines might actually mean. We've picked out a bunch of different uh, stat lines at fantasy-relevant positions here, and we're going to say, hey, do we buy this 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 thing as uh, legit, or are we going to kind of sell this as, oh, it's just the preseason? Going to kind of ignore it there here. Well, let's start with the quarterback position here, and the one of the big stat lines that jumped out to me was Teddy Bridgewater of the Minnesota Vikings, 6 for 7, 92. Two yards one touchdown he stepped up in the pocket nicely through accurate through down the field he's always had those arm strength questions here Teddy Bridgewater number 27 among ADP so he's not uh, he's not really in standard 12 team conversation just yet could he get there though if he continues uh, the preseason in this manner
1: I mean I, I think his upside as a fantasy quarterback is similar to that of Alex Smith and the difference is Smith's probably going to run for more yards. Bridgewater may beat him by three or 400 yards passing in a good year. But even still, you're looking at a guy that's probably not going to get you 4,000 yards through the air, and he's probably not going to get you more than 21 or 22 TDs at the high end. Mm-hmm. So I do see the signs of growth that people are referring to, and it was certainly a nice preseason opener from Teddy Bridgewater. I still don't know if there's any scenario in which I'd want to roster him outside of leagues that require two starting quarterbacks every week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the utility is still limited to two quarterback leagues. I mean, the tier he's in right now, looking at guys like Alex Smith, Brock Osweiler, Sam Bradford, RG3, I mean, of course none of the, all those guys you think about in a two quarterback format but, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, a young guy, even in dynasty leagues, there maybe there isn't a ton of upside there. But, yeah, it's a two-quarterback format, especially as long as Adrian Peterson's around and he's proven to be that freak athlete that could be around a few more years still. That offense will always be ran around Adrian Peterson there. Uh, well, another quarterback you might want to take a look at. Now, this is purely from a dynasty league perspective. Nobody's going to be drafting Dak Prescott of the Cowboys in any kind of standard format here. But he had a really nice performance uh, in their preseason opener, 10 for 12, 139 yards, two touchdowns, added 13 rushing yards there, 53 quarterbacked uh, uh, in in terms of ADP here. Uh, Of course, we agree he's best left on the waiver wire in season-long leagues, but what happens when Romo gets hurt? Is he one of your first uh, waiver wire options if you're in need of a quarterback?
1: He might be. I I wonder how mobile he's going to be at the NFL level. I mean, if you think about what he was as a college fantasy player and it was, it was pretty impressive for the most part. So you, you look at Dak as a guy that maybe doesn't have the prototypical pocket passing skills you want in your backup or your future starter. But we've seen Tony Romo go down with significant injuries many times before. If that happens again, certainly Prescott could have some intrigue. I mean, The example I keep going back to this draft season, remember when Terrell Pryor was a quarterback in Oakland and when he was starting games, like we were interested from a fantasy standpoint because of what he could do with his legs. And for me, Dak Dak Prescott is a better quarterback prospect than Terrell Pryor was. So you have to give a little as far as being interested if the opportunity arises this year. Definitely a wait-and-see situation, even in a two-quarterback league. Mm -hmm. In a dynasty league... Well, I, I just don't like the rookie class of quarterbacks. I mean, Goff, Wentz, mm-hmm. Prescott. I, <laughs> I actually thought
2: Goff looked pretty decent in that game. His his receivers let him down a little bit. He made some good throws. They just weren't, the passes weren't getting hauled in. I Not quite enough to consider like, oh, I'm I'm all over Jared Goff this year or a dynasty. But, you know, seems all right. I think there's a future there.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as long as Jared Goff is a league average type quarterback, the Rams can put good weapons around him in addition to Todd Gurley, play good defense, and be competitive. But I, from a fantasy standpoint, I just don't know if I like the pass-catching options he has there enough to expect anything in the first couple seasons. I mean, sure, something big could happen between now and the start of 2017. But I feel like it takes a major overhaul for me to start getting excited about St. Louis's passing game, regardless of who's actually under center. As far as the other rookie quarterbacks go, I mean, Dak may actually have some upside once you get past the likes of Paxton Lynch, Goff, and Wentz. So there's the appeal, and it's not going to cost you as much as a lot of the you know receivers and running backs that most people are going to be locking in on. What it comes down to is if you're in a dynasty league, would you rather go after Cardell Jones or would you rather go after Dak
2: Prescott? That is that is a tough one. I think both of those guys make a very interesting case there. Cardell had a, kind of a similar profile. He, he, he was a little bit mobile from I remember his days in, uh, in college there, and I mean, except I don't know, Cardell Jones right behind Tyrod Taylor. I think the Bills seem to like what Tyrod Taylor seems to offer, his mobility. Uh, he's 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 been good enough, and Taylor's a younger quarterback and and maybe a little less injury-prone than Romo. So I think Prescott would get his opportunity sooner. That's where I would lean.
1: Yeah, slight edge Prescott if, if timing is important, if you've got – one of those massive dynasty leagues where just everybody's owned then
2: when you get to keep double digit keepers that's when he starts coming to play
1: yeah i mean jones maybe is the better long-term prospect but prescott has a better chance of playing this year or next year yeah
2: very true all right well let's move on to running backs here where we got a couple other running backs we want to take a look at the first one that jumped out at me from week one of preseason play is derrick henry of the tennessee titans even before this uh his first week one performance here i did take him in, in at least one MFL 10 and he put up a decent line against the Chargers 10 carries 74 yards uh one touchdown there I mean buy or sell here he's the number 37
1: RB does week one change anything about your outlook for Derrick Henry week one doesn't necessarily change a lot but seeing Derrick Henry run against NFL defenders certainly was something to, to look at and I mean, DeMarco Murray ran it well Bishop Sankey ran it well Titans running game just looked like mm-hmm. a well-oiled machine in their opener and they're not going to be a team that yeah. slings it 40 times a week through the air. So exactly. there's going to be plenty of carries to go around. I like Henry at his current price. DeMarco Murray has a pretty rich history of getting dinged up as well. So you have to wonder if, you know, maybe he misses a couple games at some point. Henry could have a few games where he gets 18 or 20 carries. Mm-hmm. And he's also shown the ability this camp to catch the ball to the backfield. That's one of the things he was drawing some rave reviews about uh, earlier on. So I I like that facet of his game, even though Bama never really used him like that. Mm -hmm. He brings that to the table, physical between the tackles, has enough speed to break away when he gets into the second level. So I do like Derek Henry, and I'm buying at the current price.
2: Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. He's one of the few buys here I see after this preseason line. Uh, the, The one red flag, if you will, is the fact that it was against the Chargers. All those running backs, even Bishop Sankey, went nuts against the Chargers. The Chargers are going to give up some big, big rushing totals on the ground this year. I think them and the Browns are probably going to duke it out for possibly worst run defense in the league. So there's that. But uh, but I do agree with you that Henry is a bye. I like his potential to maybe take some goal line carries away from Murray, and he becomes... RB one or two if Murray ever gets hurt at one point I guess we could see now I don't want to jump on him too much it's just one week of the preseason but I kind of had these thoughts going into the preseason and this only confirmed it for me with uh, Derek Henry Another guy getting a decent amount of hype in the preseason here is Kenneth Dixon of the Ravens. He didn't have a a, a huge, huge week. He just had nine carries, 44 yards. But that was against Carolina, so that's something worth, uh, worth noting possibly with uh, how their defense ranked at the end of last year. Didn't catch any passes, and the worrisome thing is Terrence West got two touchdowns. Is Kenneth Dixon on your radar as a deep sleeper just yet, or are, are we holding off?
1: Yeah, for me, it's like... Kenneth Dixon, Jordan Howard, Devontae Booker, all to varying degrees. Booker maybe.
2: I would like, put Wendell Smallwood in that mix, maybe too.
1: Yeah, Smallwood also has that path where it mainly take one person in front of them to get hurt before they take on a larger role. I mean, with with Howard, I think he's pretty clearly the next best option if they make a change from Jeremy Langford in Chicago. With Dixon, I, I'm just I'm just not on Buck Allen anymore. I thought last year he would take that job away from Justin Forsett. Didn't really happen. Or at least when he played, he wasn't significantly better. So maybe Dixon's more of a second half of the year sort of player, whereas Howard could take over the role a little sooner. But these are guys that I think you do want to consider for lottery tickets. The key is that you don't want to have too many of them. You don't want to have a roster. If you go zero running back where you go all rookie running backs who could be good if they get the opportunity, I think if you do that, you're going to end up falling in a spot where you might find one or two backs on the wire over the course of the year, but you're going to be really hesitant to cut these players. Like You're going to look at these guys and say, no, it's going to happen. Kenneth Dixon's going to get the job next week. And if you have four or five guys on your bench like that, you might actually freeze yourself out of what would be a good move because you're too wrapped up in the potential of your bench.
2: Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, and I think that's a trap a lot of people who go with that zero running back strategy fall into. uh, Jordan Howard, you mentioned five carries for 12 yards. That whole Bears offense... Top to bottom, stymied by the Broncos, one of the better defenses in the league. So I wouldn't worry too much there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I put him in that same group like you mentioned, a lot of those guys. Uh yeah, even Smallwood, once he finally gets in into action, I think there's maybe some opportunity, but you need a lot of dominoes to fall into place with either with any of those guys. So Dixon and a few other ones, I'm probably gonna keep in cell status for the time being. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free Safe Ride app to help you call a taxi or send a friend your location when you've been drinking. Drive sober or get pulled over. Derek, now it's time for our safe sleeper pick, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Many of us will be downing beers, including myself here at Fantasy Drafts, but that often leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or even worse decisions, getting behind the wheel after a draft. For today's safe sleeper pick, we mentioned him. He's someone we both buy. I think I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. I think uh, at 37 overall among running backs, he falls into RB4 or 5 territory, and I think you're going to be able to find some production out of him this year.
1: And for me, Henry is a a clear tier or two above the likes of Kenneth Dixon and Smallwood and Howard Mm -hmm. and those other rookies that we like. I mean, Henry has a role even if DeMarco Murray is healthy. It's become very clear that's how the Titans view him. A pretty significant investment, of course, they made him in the draft in the spring. So yeah, I I like him as a safe mid-round back who not only should be... A useful flex every week, but we'll probably have some weeks where he's among the top 10 scorers at his position, especially if Murray misses time.
2: Yeah, I'm banking on that as well. In, in our side of the stake league, Mark Ingram's my RB1, but then my RB2, this is a non PPR league, and I'm leaning on Amir Abdullah. So I, went, I, I made sure to go ahead and go out and get Derrick Henry, I think, for like eight bucks at auction, is what I paid for him in that 14 team league. And I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that decision. Hopefully, this continues uh, throughout the preseason and into the regular season. Let's move on to wide receivers here where there's even more so than running backs. There's some bigger stat lines to take a look at in the preseason here. Uh, One of them that jumps out to a lot of people, it's not only just the numbers, but the way he got those numbers, that's Michael Thomas of the Saints. He was targeted six times in their preseason opener, hauled in four catches, tallied 67 yards, and what I say the way he was doing it, Had a very impressive sideline catch that turned a lot of heads in that matchup there. Now, the Saints and Drew Brees may be looking for a little bit of uh, depth wide receiver here. Uh, You know, you got Brandon Cooks, number one. And then you're looking at Willie Sneed and Brandon Coleman uh, kind of mixed in there. Can Thomas push those guys to become their second wide receiver?
1: I think he can. I mean, I think with Sneed, you have a guy that's a good role player. Efficiency was outstanding last year. The volume may be there in the greater capacity over this season but Thomas seems like the kind of guy that's going to pick up some targets in the red zone if there's one weakness for Brandon Cooks it's that he's not sized like a prototypical number one receiver so with that there's a window open for Thomas to really take over the bulk of the targets inside the 20 mm-hmm. uh, Kobe Fleener also is part of the mix yeah. there Slinger but
2: six six I think he just hasn't shown it yet
1: well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like He's been in the league. He worked the same quarterback in college, worked with mm-hmm. the same coaches that he worked with in college, and Pep Hamilton, uh, well Hamilton was the offensive coordinator in Indy, so it's like, if he couldn't produce then, I know Dwayne Allen was there, why is he suddenly just going to produce in New Orleans? He's not the same physical freak that Jimmy Graham was, so it doesn't make sense to look at it and say... Well, we like him because he's going to play the Jimmy Graham role. I mean, so Michael Thomas does have a pretty clear path to at least a good number of red zone targets. But I could see him settling in as that number two receiver uh, right there behind Brandon Cooks
2: yeah I, I'm gonna buy Thomas as well I just because of the role the opportunity and the fact that he's got a proven quarterback in Drew Brees but the one thing that uh, worries me a little bit is I have I had almost the same feelings about Brandon Coleman in the preseason last year Coleman another guy who's 6'6 and uh, 225 a big a big bodied receiver who was having some good preseason games he's got you know more size than Michael Thomas maybe the hands aren't quite the same level but I remember just having the same feeling about Brandon Coleman last year and it not really panning out they're very different players though and and I uh, we'll see what Michael Thomas can do with those opportunities but I'm going to throw him into buy territory by just by just a hair there I think uh, I think there's a chance that he is able to make an impact from a fantasy perspective here another interesting stat line at the wide receiver position that I wanted to bring up here is Marquise Lee of the Jaguars now he's getting overshadowed big Time by Allen Robinson, uh, Allen Hearns, those types of players. Uh, Robinson, a first round pick on a lot of people's boards. But Marquis Lee wasn't really around to threaten those guys for targets at all last year. He finished uh, his preseason opener with uh, four catches on four targets. So he hauled in all of them for 49 yards. Right now, he's actually outside of the top 100 uh, wide receivers here. But I've seen reports out of camp that. Marquise Lee might very well be the fastest receiver in Jacksonville. Does he threaten either of the Allens for targets at all this year, or is it it too early to tell?
1: I think if Lee's going to take value away from anybody, it's Allen Hearns, because if you go back to the time they were acquired, I mean, people had higher expectations for Marquise Lee than they did for Allen Hearns, and it wasn't even close. Now, health is a factor. It's a huge factor because we've seen Hearns play 31 games in two seasons, We've seen Marquise Lee play twenty-three, and of those twenty-three, because of the missed time, he wasn't even seeing the full complement of snaps we expected. So mm-hmm. I could see Lee being useful enough to the Jags to where Hearns loses a couple TDs, a couple targets inside the red zone, and yardage could dip a little bit, and that that's logical anyway, just based on what Hearns did. But Allen Robinson's gonna get his. Like I have no oh. doubt in my mind that the target volume, the game plan. It flows through Allen Robinson. It's it's really just Lee versus... Not only uh, Alan Hearns, but probably Julius Thomas to an extent when Thomas is healthy, contending for targets.
2: Yeah, I, I like Lee's quickness, and I think that they could find a role for him in the screen game. And if that continues to be successful, maybe that could develop into something more. Again, I, I'm still pretty big on Allen Robinson. I took him first round in, in, in my most recent MFL 10, so I don't think Lee's taking away from that. But I think you got that right on the head when you know there's a chance for this to develop in, into something more. But the biggest risk of all of this is his health. So uh, I'm not... I probably am, aren't really taking Lee in a standard 12 team. Once it gets deeper than that, he becomes into consideration here. Uh, another wide receiver had a big first week of the preseason, actually led all receivers week one. and that is Aldrich Robinson of the Falcons here, three catches on five targets for 118 yards. Again, more yards than any other wide receiver uh, in week one here, of the preseason. He's 27 years old. He spent the first three seasons with Washington, was out of the league last year. Now I mean Atlanta somebody's got to compliment Julio Jones on the other side, and a look at the depth chart or just your gut feeling would seem to think that that is Muhammad Sanu. Can Aldrick Robinson work his way in there, or is he just too unproven, or is this just a little fluky, do you think?
1: Buy or sell on him? Uh, I mean, I'm still selling, or I guess I'm I'm just not buying. Yeah, just not buying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually selling, because I don't yeah, have him, yeah. but uh, I'm just not buying in quite yet. I mean, th- there is an opportunity. I'm, I'm buying into the idea that, The Falcons should get better results from their number two receiver this year. It's probably Mohamed Sanu Mm -hmm. uh, because this time last year, we thought Roddy White could be a top 25 or top 30 receiver in PPR legs, and he just fell off a cliff. So behind Julio Jones, there are extra targets to go around. Look at Sanu, Justin Hardy, Aldrick Robinson. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of tight end has changed. It's still Jacob Tamme there and Austin Hooper. Uh, as the rookie out of Stanford could take him a few weeks, a couple months even, to get up to speed to where he's catching passes. So there's a a lot to be had in terms of production behind Julio Jones, but I I think most of that goes in the direction of Mohamed Sanu, and then it's kind of a battle between Justin Hardy and Eldrick Robinson to be that deep threat, maybe that number three receiver that could end up being the fourth or fifth option in the passing game, given how often they dump it off to Tevin to uh, Devontae Freeman
2: yeah I would have to agree with you there I mean Aldrick Robinson doesn't even appear on any ADP rankings that's probably for a reason Sanu has to be the front runner there I I mean he he had plenty of opportunity as a number two receiver in Cincinnati his best year was catching 56 passes for 790 yards and five touchdowns in 2014 so I think that's probably maybe the type of I don't want to say ceiling you're looking at because there is there's not a lot from the tight end Tammy Hooper I noticed rookie tight ends to take a real long time to develop in the NFL as opposed to some of those other positions. So yeah, probably going to just stay stagnant. He is where he is with uh, Aldrick Robinson. Nice week one of the preseason, but I'm going to need to see that two or three more times before he even comes onto my waiver wire radar when the season starts. Do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash but are tired of the same game offerings or hosting sites keeping too much of the prize pool? If so, check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They offer a variety of season-long and DFS fantasy football leagues with features no other website has and pays out 90% of the prize pool. Does your state prevent you from playing in a DFS league and you are not interested in a full season long league? MFS runs monthly fantasy football leagues known as four week frenzy leagues that are available to you. Forget salary cap leagues and use the online draft for all of your full season and short term leagues at Maximum Fantasy Sports. If private leagues interest you, register your own redraft and keeper leagues using options like in game player changes, multi team trades, team quarterbacks, bi-week rollover, and more. You can even run your survivor pools, confidence pools, pick'em pools, and squares pools for free at Sports.com. Join today. Well, DVR, we've got a few more wide receivers we want to wrap up here before uh, moving forward with the rest of the show. Uh, one guy that kind of stood out for me a little bit, uh, someone who – it kind of showed flashes last year a little bit. Um, I think we had this talk in the preseason last year, too. Uh, Russell Shepard of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he three catches, caught all three of his targets, finished with 62 yards and a touchdown. Normally, that line wouldn't be noteworthy, but that touchdown did come from Jameis Winston. It was Winston's only passing touchdown of the day if you look at the Bucks depth chart Shepard's way way down on there but the things that uh, stick out to me are the tight end position is a little bit wishy-washy we don't know what we're going to get out of Safarian Jenkins and Vincent Jackson's turning 33 and his production's been on a steady decline it took a big time tailspin last year of course injury he only played 10 games last year I, I mean is, is there room in Tampa Bay for a number two receiver behind Mike Evans
1: There is, but it's Vincent Jackson, so really you need a Vincent Jackson injury for a guy like Shepard to become more useful from a fantasy standpoint. But whoever that third option is, I mean, Vincent Jackson... Does have a history of getting nicked up like many, many players in the NFL do. Mm -hmm. Missed six games last year. Missed 11 games back in 2010. He's actually been pretty durable in between those times, playing 16 games each of the four seasons in the middle. But he's 33. I mean, at 33, it's much more difficult to get through the rigors of a 16-game season, as we all know, and... I expect this to be one of the better passing games in the league. I think defensively, there are some questions. They could be very shootout-prone. Their division lends itself to shootout-prone games with Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina. Those uh, indoor games,
2: especially. The, yeah, so. the
1: in, well, in the first, those first two. I mean, Carolina's defense, I think, could still be pretty good because their pass rush could be pretty good. But this could be a really productive spot, whether it's Russell Shepard or Kenny Bell or someone else who merges maybe austin safarian jenkins eventually he's been a pretty big disappointment yeah to this point
2: he's, everyone's had a lot of high expectations for him he just hasn't reached those just yet so i'm not ready to put stock in it yeah at so this point
1: i'm selling on shepherd in particular but buying him as someone to keep an eye on for the rest mm-hmm. of the preseason yep. to see if he can win a job i mean he's a good special teams player he's probably going to make the roster regardless but mm-hmm. I want to see if they start to use him in a way where you look at him and say, hey, this guy might actually have some best ball league sort of appeal because that would be kind of his ceiling Mm -hmm. three weeks from now if things continue to go well.
2: Yeah, if if you if he continues to produce exactly if things go well, he's someone maybe you could target in those MFL 10s. And like like you said, he's a watch list type of guy. Rotowire has a real cool feature where you can go in and just uh, make a watch list and set email or text alerts for these players whenever we do uh, an update on that player. And it's a great way to monitor a lot of your sleepers or your waivers. Like not, not all league hosting formats will do that for you. So something, just an extra feature to give it a check out. Again, free 10-day trial to Rotowire at slash. if you want to check the features out Uh, another guy with a decent uh first week of the preseason he's someone that got a lot of hype as a sleeper last year never really came to fruition and now the quarterback situation in denver has declined uh significantly possibly here and i'm talking about cody latimer he got eight targets in week one of the preseason caught seven of those passes for 82 yards now adp has him as a non-factor at 134 like Shepard, is latimer maybe a watch list guy for you
1: yeah, I think it'd be kind of similar. I mean, the only drawback now is that it definitely takes an injury for him to be productive because that passing game, mm-hmm. whether it's Sanchez or Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, there will not be three good receivers in that offense nope. every single week. I think the appeal of Demaryius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders is that we haven't seen a lot from guys like Latimer so far, Benny Fowler kind of in that mix too, Jordan Norwood. And if it remains a skinny tree, as far as the distribution of targets goes, you could see Thomas and Sanders putting up numbers at least as good as last year, if not slightly better, because the efficiency from someone like Sanchez should be better than what they were getting from declining rapidly, declining Peyton Manning this time a year ago.
2: Yeah, yeah I would agree right on whether it was Manning or Oswell, not not a whole lot going on in that passing game last year so there might be room but not every court not every offensive team needs a wide receiver two or three to be fantasy relevant here and I think Denver is going to fall into that category as well uh, one last player I want to talk about we had to pick a tight end it was real tough to find a tight end with a halfway decent stat line in the preseason but I did find Vance McDonald from the 49ers uh, going to get more plays this year of course in, in, in a Chip Kelly system he was only targeted targeted twice, but caught both of those passes for fifty-two four yards and a touchdown here against the Texans. Number 26 tight end in, in ADP, so not really on the radar in 12 teamers yet. But the reason I picked Vance McDonald is because in week 10 of 2015 and beyond, McDonald tallied up 21 catches for 262 yards and three touchdowns over five games. So that's modest utility. I mean, if you average 50 yards and a touchdown on three four catches a game that all of a sudden makes you a potentially startable tight end is he someone whose stock can even rise a little bit for fantasy consideration
1: I think it can I think there's a lot of questions at the wide receiver position once you get past Torrey Smith as far as how exactly Chip Kelly is going to use some of those new pieces at his disposal I mean Torrey Smith might get volume for the first time in his career but Bruce Ellington could be kind of a PPR darling. And then after that, is it DeAndre Smelter? Is it Jerome Simpson? Is it Quentin Patton? I'm not really optimistic about any of those guys. I think Ellington is the PPR guy people have been targeting the most. Red zone opportunities should be there for Vance McDonald. I like him as more of like a second tight end in best ball. I know some people have been touting him as, the, hey, you don't have to draft one of the top 10 or top 12 tight ends. You can get Vance McDonald in your third to last round and you could use him, and maybe maybe he'll have that kind of a breakout but I like him more paired with one other tight end in best ball and maybe if you have to draft two because you waited until like the 8-12 range to get your first one that could be fine too but then you have to mix and match so just keep that in mind with Vance McDonald the the receiving core weakness or perceived weakness is very favorable for him as far as having some early season value and, and pretty steady volume on a week-to-week basis yeah
2: right on it's the receiving core weakness and also you got to take into consideration Zach Ertz caught 75 balls last year for the Eagles and Selick Brent Selick added another 27 so uh, there's plenty of room in a Chip Kelly offense for the tight end are you threatened by Garrett Selick Blake Pell any of those not quite yet so I think a lot of the uh, x factors and surrounding factors for Vince McDonald might be okay to the point where you can put the 26 year old Big physically, six four two sixty seven. You can maybe put him into buy territory here. Well, that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Jake Litarsky. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Joe and John.